Gruskola, we're concluding Yeshurim on Shalom Bayis. There's no such thing as a coincidence. This week's Parsha is a traditional, old, old, old tradition in Parsha's Chayisara to talk about Shalom Bayis, for that matter, dating as well. The Parsha starts, Parsha's Chayisara starts with the Hespit of Avram Avinu, according to Medrash, the Hespit was Eshes Chayil, that we sing on Friday night. And the Parsha concludes with the love of Yitzchak and Rivka. I'd like to focus on one Pasuk in the Parsha and glean three, I think, important lessons that are relevant to us. It's never too early to start thinking about Shalom Bayis. It might be a little bit too early to start thinking about marriage, but Shalom Bayis, it's never too early to start thinking about that. Torah Dosha describes... In Perech of Dalit Pasuk Samach Zayin, Vayiviel Yitzchak Oela Sarah Imoy. Yitzchak brought Sarah, excuse me, Rivka, to the tent of Sarah's mother. Vayikaches Rivka Vatiloy Leisha Vayelvel. He took her for a wife and he loved her. Vayinochem Yitzchak Achare Imo. The Targum writes, Listen to the language of the Targum. There's something strange over here. Va'alo Yitzchak lemashkona v'chaza. Yitzchak took her into the house, and he saw. Now, what does the pasuk say that he saw? Well, the pasuk doesn't say anything about him seeing her at all. It just says at the end, va'inachem Yitzchak. Va'saknin avdua ka'ovde sara ime. And she did. What her, what his mother Sarah had done, and then he married. The Briskerov points out uncharacteristically the Targum adds a bunch of words, and that is he saw that she did like Sarah, his mother. What's the emphasis here over the Targum? Says the Briskerov, the Targum is teaching us an amazing lesson. And that is, that even if the girl is fantastic, and she does chesed exactly the way Eliezer had prophesied that she was going to do chesed, that's not enough. Yitzchak is not interested in Mofsim. He's not interested in a girl that's amazingly spiritual, or that's not the only part that's important. One of the most important features in a wife is not that she stays up all Shavuos night. Is not that she has an amazing davening. We spoke last week about the fact that we need holy instincts. It's not enough to have ethical thoughts. It's not enough for a person to look for the Israel high. The same thing comes when we're looking for a wife. It requires a woman who's determined in action, not only in thought, that she's going to be a mamshich of the derech of Avoseinu. The type of girl that if chas there's a Yetzahara for Yichud or Negia, that she's going to have determination, not only in theory, but in action. Because Rabosai, I don't trust you just like I don't trust myself. 
someone who's committed in her actions, not just in her ideas. That's lesson number one from the Pasuk. Says the Znaim Latorah, point number two. A very famous diuk that jumps out at you when you read the Psukim. But I want to understand it. When I was in the yeshivas, they said over and over again, but I felt like no one explained why that's so. Where does love happen? Do you fall in love before? Or do you fall in love after? The Torah Dosha is explicit. Love happens after marriage. Love, true love, will not take place before. Says Rav Zalman Sarotskin, the Lisa Isha. It's not like those people are medagdik to take a woman that they fall in love beforehand. In fact, he points out that Yitzchak had barely seen her beforehand. And then he alleges, that the end of the marriage that's committed to each other afterwards is one that ends up in true love. But those that the emphasis is love beforehand, Rav Zalman Sarotskin says, ends up in Ketato Merivos. Happens to be, I knew my wife a while before I got married. And Baruch Hashem we have, you have to ask her, but I think a beautiful marriage. But one thing I do know, is I had no idea what love was before we got married. And that's what they screamed at us in yeshiva. And now I see in my own life. But why? Why is that so? Why is it that a guy and a girl can't truly love each other beforehand? And there are two reasons. One psychological, and the other is theological. First of all, until you're living with the woman 24-7, the whole idea of marriage is a model that's, one, that's in one's mind that in many, many ways is full of infatuation, is full of distortions. We have no idea what marriage entirely is until we're actually living together. And so many times, the demus, the image that people have in their minds, is really not a real representation of what their relationship is going to be and what their marriage is going to be like. In fact, I always tell my tell me, I always ask my tell me when they say, "Rebbe, I'm going out with a serious girl." I ask them, and we're thinking about getting engaged. Could you? Tell me one chisaron that she has. One shortcoming. And when they stop for a moment, they say, I can't think of a shortcoming, then sirens go off in my mind. That's pure infatuation. No one in the world is perfect. The only entity that's perfect is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You and I have flaws, and every girl in the world has flaws. And if a person can't notice a shortcoming, that's a simon. Even if you can, you still have no idea what love is. But there are guys, and it happens to be, one of my Talmudim told me I can't notice, and I only got to ask him the question after marriage. 
And I have to tell you, I'm davening for him. I'm a little concerned. If he wasn't able to tell me any chisaron that she had, then that is one simon that he was marrying some type of image and not marrying a real person. So therefore, as much as a person knows another individual, Ahava could only be maintained, Ahava of Nesuin could only be understood after marriage. Theologically, there's something that's even more important, something even deeper. Everybody might be familiar with the Yisod of Rav Dessler in the Kuntras HaChesed, that the Shorish of the word Ava to love is to give. Only a commitment of 24-7 giving is Avas Nesuin. Ava between Isha and Isha is a commitment 24-7 to give to each other. And that applies in all places. It applies when you go on a trip, it applies in the kitchen, and it applies in the bedroom. Every single part of the relationship, if it reaches the madrega of Ava, is when the focus that he is giving to her. Let me share with you a Dave Barry. You guys know who Dave Barry is? It's a, it's a new generation. In our days, Dave Barry... You, okay, he's your hero? Okay. Ah, okay, okay. Let me share with you a Dave Barry. In my days, he was one of the most uh, prolific and most important comedians. He writes the following. My father, a thoughtful man who once gave my mother on their anniversary, an electric blanket. He could not understand why, when she opened the box she gave him, that she had that look. After all, this was the deluxe model electric blanket with automatic thermostat. What more could any woman want? The mistake that my dad made, and that many guys make, was in thinking that when you choose a gift for a woman, it should do something useful. Wrong! The first rule of buying a gift for a woman is, the gift should not do anything, or if it does, it should do it badly. Let's consider two possible gifts, both of which theoretically perform the same function. Number one, a state-of-the-art gas, gasoline-powered lantern, which would have been very helpful for some in the States, in New York, with electronic ignition and dual mantles, capable of generating 1,200 lumens of light for 10 hours on a single tank of fuel. That's the first gift. Gift number two, a scented beeswax candle containing visible particles of of strange stuff. Okay. I'm censoring a little. And providing roughly the same illumination as a lukewarm corn dog. To a guy, gift one is clearly superior because you could use it to see in the dark. To a woman, gift two is much better because women love to sit around the gloom with reeking, sputtering candles. Don't ask me why. All I'm saying is that this is the kind of thing a woman wants. That's why the ultimate gift is jewelry. It's absolutely useless. (laughs) 
He's 100% right. Rebosa, what's the lambdus? What's the pshat? What's the omek advarim? I want to take this off the beam, that's enough. Um, what, what's, what is the omek? The answer is that the ultimate simon of ava, of have, is giving for no reason at all except I want to give to you. And women in their deep Bina Yisera have been mafkia. they removed every type of gift that's useful because they don't want you to give them a gift except for the reason that you want to give them a gift. Hence, the most valuable gifts are the most useless. It doesn't make any sense. A rock, $10,000, doesn't make any sense for an engagement. But the way it works is Ava is all about pure giving without any cheshbon, except I know that it will make you happy. I've run out of time. But Rabosai, there are, I intend to say three lessons, we'll have to leave with two. But Rabosai, I want to really, really share with you this Yusot. Ava comes about only when it's clear that the giving is absolute. And that can only happen when everything is on the line, when our lives are intertwined together, and when we give just for the sake of giving. Which means, how do we prepare now for marriage? The way in which we prepare now is to begin to do chesed, not to start buying for our friends useless gifts, guy friends, but to begin to start giving in a way that is entirely masur, given over, that I am truly a Baal Chesed. With that, Bezer Hashem will be zochet to build a Migdash Ma'at with our future spouses and with those who are already married with their spouses as well. Thank you.